Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Utah Royals FC show. My name is Lucas Muller, and I am joined by Cindy Lara. Cindy, how are you this week? I am doing fairly well. Excited for what is to come. Expansion draft this week. How are you, Lucas? Uh, I'm doing good. I um, We had talked about recording uh, this past week, but I felt too much uh, election anxiety to feel <laughs> like I could wrap my head around talking about soccer. Um, so I know we tweeted out we were going to record an episode like two weeks ago, and it's my mm. fault we're so late, but kind of worked out because we have some big news around the coaching staff, around some player movement, and around the expansion draft. So... Mm. Um, yeah, let's just start kind of top of the show, um, this morning. So we're recording on Monday the 9th. Um, the club announced that, um, Craig Harrington, uh, his contract had been terminated with the Utah Royals. Um, mm-hmm. Cindy, what was your reaction to seeing that news? About stinking time. Um, it's been nearly two months. So kind of a process that dragged out. Obviously, for legal reasons, um, I, I don't think I think you know it's it's a process. You can't just terminate someone without having evidence, and the whole legal things has to be done. But yeah, I think it's long overdue. That's for sure. I mean, we all kind of knew it was going to happen. Um, Would have been extremely surprised if he continued as head coach. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's disappointing to obviously see a a coach who just got hired a few months ago, seven months ago, eight months ago, however long that was to where we are now again and big bummer. Um, yeah, about time, but what do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I think I, I would echo all of that. It feels like it did take a long time. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I assume it was probably legal reasons, but I, I don't know. You know, it's such a strange time with the organization, with the owner having announced he's selling. The There's an interim president. Um, it's not really clear what his relationship with Deloitte Hansen is like and what what power he has doesn't have. So I would assume everything is just going to be real different until there's a new owner in place. That's probably not ideal, but just kind of Mm -hmm. is what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then we also got the news that uh, Louis Lancaster, who is an assistant coach, um, who has also placed an administrative leave, um, uh, retained his job. So he will stay in the coaching staff. Um, I have heard sort of off the record what happened there. Um, it's not great, but it's also something that, you know, makes sense that he wouldn't be fired for. Um, it's it, it does not reflect like him being a toxic person or mistreating people mm-hmm. or players. Um, probably more than anything, bad timing with an organization that's going through a lot and a lot of um, – internal critique and you know very needed um reflection on what is and is not allowed within our within the organization mm-hmm. um so yeah you know uh i i've only met uh louis i think one time he seemed like a really nice guy when i when i met him but um yeah maybe worth 
you know, holding out judgment. Um, because I, I would say, I would say the organization is probably in a place of if they feel someone needs to go, they're not going to have any reservations about firing anyone right now. Mm-hmm. But I can also understand from a fan's perspective, if you feel like there's anything questionable they should gotten rid of, should be gotten rid of. And, you know, that's fair to feel too. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, unfortunate situation for where we are now, going from Laura Harvey, an incredibly solid, well-respected coach, to who will we think we're getting, Craig Harrington, who's also comes with um, a lot of good, positive feedback and from the Chicago side. And so big, just a really stinky situation um, for Utah to be in after just hiring a new head coach. Yeah. I mean, what a bizarre year that, you know, Laura Harvey leaves, you bring in a new guy. He seems, you know, he'd never managed um, an NWSL cell team on his own. He had been an academy coach, had been managed a national team, um, Mm -hmm. granted a very small national team, Mm -hmm. um, but had some experience, seemed to be well-liked in Chicago. And then COVID, he's got, what, five games at the Challenge Cup, four games at the Challenge Cup um, that he's in charge of, and then is out. You Mm -hmm. know, certainly a a strange legacy for, for Craig Harrington and a strange legacy. And, you know, just the few years that the Utah Royals have been in organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to square one, back to square one. So, um, yeah, we have talked about, um, we want to do an episode where we talk about if Amy LaPelvet should stay on as the head coach, if, um, if they should bring in an outside hire, we will probably do that uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's going to be super fascinating to see. I'm going to assume that that decision does not get made until a new owner comes in. Um, that would mm-hmm. be pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, that you know, if if they trust Amy to to take the reins, or if they want to bring in a big outside hire. Or a small outside hire. I mean, Craig was no disrespect to him, but like was kind of a small outside hire because he had only been an assistant in the league before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll just have to make my case and for that article to come out this week. So I will save all of my thoughts for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait and see. Mm, hashtag. Well, next up on the, uh, the old docket, um, Vero Bouquete, who, mm-hmm. you know, very recently was on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, has signed with AC Milan. Um, mm-hmm. So she will be in Italy playing for um, the AC Milan women's team. Uh, you may have heard of such players as Zlatan. He plays in the men's side. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pretty successful club historically in the mid side. Um, so it's exciting to see Vero join the organization. Um but yeah, do you think there's any likelihood that that we see her back in a Royals a Royals kit in the future? I think that's what the club is leading us to believe. Um that they are still in contract 
negotiations with her. So I hope so, um, especially because right now, I think even 2021 as a season is still very unknown. On paper, we do want it to happen and we hope it does, but who knows where we'll be in 2021 as far as COVID goes. And hopefully we are near the end, but um, I personally, yeah, it would be great to see Vero Boquete back, but yeah, I, I don't know at this point. Yeah, she seems like such a positive personality on the team, just so skilled, mm-hmm. such a leader. Um, but when she was on the show uh, in the last episode, she she did say kind of, I don't think she was trying to make a statement about staying mm-hmm. at the club, but she did say that she came because she wanted to play for Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're a player, you have to know going to any organization, the coach could change at any time. For sure. Um, but yeah, just I I would imagine she's gonna weigh her options until she knows the direction mm-hmm. the club is gonna take with a new owner, with a new coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if I'm her and I am I'm you know a Spanish citizen, I would rather live in Italy and be close to home. Mm-hmm. Europe, yeah, their 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 COVID numbers are going up, but man, not like it is here. Here <laughs> it's just out of control. Very much so. Yeah, and she was rumored, I think, back in August that the since the report started circulating that she was that there was interest from the club and and as the season ended, it became more in advanced talks and no. so when when I asked Vero, um when I heard the news, she was she honestly didn't know at the time, but yeah, so yeah, like you said, if if I if it's like between choosing a cl- a place closer to home and the draw to play in the NWSL was because you had this highly respected coach and now she's no longer your head coach, I I don't blame her for returning to Europe and if she doesn't want to return, I will not blame her at all, especially when it's not Laura Harvey who you're playing under. As long as it's not the uh the former uh, Spain coach that she helped oust, I think uh, there's a real chance she comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, wait and see. Wait and see. All right. Mm-hmm. So next big news item. Uh, we have the Utah Royals protected 11 in the Louisville uh, expansion draft. Um, so I'll just quickly read off the 11 names of the protected players. So those, those are Elizabeth Ball. Katie Bowen, Rachel Corsi, Kate Delfava, uh, Zara King, Lola Banta, Killer O'Hara, Amy Rodriguez, Abby Smith, Michelle Vasconcelos, and Gabby Vincent. Hmm. Um, not the 11 I would have picked as I started picking 11 and then never finished. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not upset by this list, but Cindy, I mean, is, is this the 11 that you projected in, in your article? In the round table. Um, I also did not get to contribute my final thoughts to it, but oh well, yeah, no, you're in good company. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, let the let the cooler writers get their their spotlight back. <laughs> yeah, let, let the kids write that article. Yeah, let the kids. Um, I I think for me, 
I would not have a, I think I think the only difference there would be um, O'Hara for press. I really thought press would be protected. Um, and then Desiree Scott. I think those are the only two names that were left unprotected that were not protected that I was like, whoa. Other than that, I do honestly think it's a solid list. I think there's, I think protecting those two young rookies is big because they really had a great rookie season for the season that it was. Um, and obviously we need a goalkeeper, but <laughs> yeah. What what surprises do you do you see there, Lucas, for you? I think, yeah, for me, I just, you know, Kelly O'Hara is one of my favorite ever mm-hmm. national team players. Um, so I want to say that up front. But also, she just has not had the impact for the Royals that the team, the fans, the you know, mm-hmm. that that everyone wanted. Um, it seems like Louisville is not probably her first choice. I know that she had seemed like she wanted to was close to going to Washington Spirit, but she's from Atlanta. She lives in DC. Louisville mm-hmm. is sort of, you know, further west in those cities, but closer to both of those by a lot than Utah, mm-hmm. Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it would have made sense to protect press. And if, um, if Louisville takes her, uh, the team gets $75,000 in allocation money. Um, because mm-hmm. if I'm Louisville, I would jump at the chance to have Kristen Press on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be shocked if they don't select her. Um, and so I don't know if there's anything else going on there that they're happy to let her press walk. Maybe she just doesn't want to come back. Maybe she's really happy in Manchester. Um, but you know, I I think probably 2019 was the last we see Kristen Press for Utah. Mm, which is so unfortunate because she's just so good. She world class striker. She is a she's pretty good. You know, I, I think I think if Louisville were to take her, she's definitely at risk because I mean. Kristen Press will be her Alex Morgan will be highly recruited to Angel City FC because that is my thought. I think Louisville would be taking a risk to draft Kristen Press, um, especially if Kristen Press does not return until late fall twenty twenty one. The way her, the way the schedule is shaping out to be, I mean Utah wouldn't get her until. I mean, she finishes in May with Manchester United, and then after that is hypothetically the Olympics, and then after that, you're talking September, near the end of the season. So it's a risk for any team who wants to take Kristen Press. Yeah. Do you do you take Kristen Press on name alone, and knowing that there's a high possibility that she, I mean, she does not want to play for your team. Um. So. She is Louisville could take her, and that could be a huge win for Utah to get that seventy five thousand dollars. But she's a risky player, 
um, if you're not LAFC, honestly. I'm sorry, Angel City FC. So, yeah, disappointing, unfortunate, but, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I think you make a good point that maybe Louisville won't take her. Maybe the, maybe it's just she's going to wait out until she has a real chance to go to um, – to LA, and I think you know that would make a lot of sense for her. Um, yeah, so I think I think for me, looking at the the other names, I think the one um, Vasconcelos like jumps out at me as being a little bit of a surprise, but she's also from Sandy. She played for BYU. She played for Real Salt Lake Women back when that was a team. Um, mm-hmm that dissolved when the Royals came around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is kind of exciting to see her. Um, yeah. Come back. You know, she does only have three goals for Chicago, but so to me, I, I'm not sure she's a starting 11 protected cal- caliber player, but I bet she is a player who's highly motivated to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I saw that point where she would be the, only player from that roster who remains in Utah because this is her home. Everybody else typically returns to their hometown. So that makes sense. And there was somebody, Utah was very specific in trading for her. It's a player they wanted because mm-hmm. it it wasn't like a half season deal. It It's a long-term long-term commitment from from her especially if your hometown is you know sandy utah and given i mean she she was really good in chicago she fit really well into their system there unfortunately she unfortunately had an acl injury last year that didn't help things but i I think given more time to work with a new head coach whoever that may be or as it could be Amy Lapelbit, she's she's like she's a good little solid forward def- offensive player for Utah. So I'm not surprised at all that she's in there. That one makes a lot of sense. But yeah. also, I think another name that sticks out is Gabby Vincent, considering how much time she did not get in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um for some bizarre reason, because in 2019, I believe she was the only player who was signed uh, that was not drafted. I could be totally wrong. Is this what I'm thinking of? Let yeah, me do my um, okay. Yeah, she was a she. She got a chance at being a practice player and got a contract that way. Um, That's right. She did not come through the draft. Um, same same year as Michelle Mamon, um, who was mm-hmm. drafted, uh, and is not protected and played more. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm curious. I'm curious, like who? I mean, so Amy Lapelle did bring her on in at least one or two games. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's fascinating to me that you've got three center backs in. Ball, Corsi, and Vincent on this protected 11. Um, you have two outside backs, but five defenders out of 11 players is mm. 
kind of points to some weakness in the team, I think, and particularly yeah. the attack. Yeah, but that's always been an issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> surprise. I mean, I was I'm a, I was a little surprised um, uh, that Weber wasn't protected simply because she has played so much for the last season and a half. I mean, ever since she came, she pretty much was consistently the replacement for Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. So I could definitely, if I were to redo the list, you know, Weber being in for Vincent makes more sense. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, like, I am happy. I mean, I'm glad that Vincent is going to stick around. I think she's a really mm-hmm. talented young player. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that is kind of what they're trying to do here is – they are protecting some really solid young players in in Delfava, King, um, Vincent, etc. I mean, like Abby Smith is like twenty five or twenty six. She has mm-hmm. a lot of really good years ahead of her. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then just other names that kind of jumped out. We've already mentioned Preston Weber, but Barney, Vero, Gunny, Maimon, Ratcliffe, Scott, Matheson. Strom Okamoto, um, some some really good players, and I think that's just part of the struggle of only being able to protect eleven players. Yeah, which I believe is one up than twenty. When did Orlando come? Six, fifteen, sixteen that year. Fifteen. Yeah, right after the World Cup. Um, so that's actually generous compared to 2015. <laughs> um, yeah, but just because a player is left unprotected, this obviously doesn't mean that every player that's left unprotected is going to be picked up. Louisville can only take two from each team, one if they are an allocated player. So I th- I, I even though I think it's risky, I think Louisville will probably go for press. Um, but also they could not. I think what I liked about the unprotected protected player list is how many of the actual US allocation players were left unprotected. So many. Yeah. It's like Becky Sauerbrunn mm-hmm. unprotected. How do you feel about that? Is that a personal insult to you? Yeah. How how dare they? <laughs> Louisville. Or Portland, how could you? Um, which I, it's smart from a, because if you're leaving all these unprotected U.S. national players, especially the older ones who may have maybe one more season or two left, you get 75K and hey. But it also just goes to show that we are slowly moving away from those big names. And there are more homegrown players within the NWSL, younger players who are becoming more, they're, they're becoming household names instead of the national team players that we're so used to hearing about. Um, and yeah, so, it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That it's just all the slightly, it feels like all the players that are older than like 30, 31, 32 mm-hmm. aren't protected. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to see French isn't protected. Yeah, uh, that one was crazy, actually. That one I, I was that like, would be what? A sure pickup. 
Yeah. So I could even, I mean, I could see F- Franch being picked up because she's an incredible goalkeeper. Um, fix the little things that she needs to work on. She's a top, I mean, she's up there for goalkeepers in the NWSL. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's probably the only younger type player from that allocated list. But I would have to look at the list again. But I, I do love that we're getting away from – you would imagine that NWSL teams would want to protect all these allocated U.S. national team players. But they're also – they can't give you the 24 games that a younger player can. So that's exciting. Yeah. To, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's exciting to – to to have more of these young up and coming players. Yeah, I think that. So I'm trying to look through the list now. I think that O'Hara might be the only mm. only player over thirty who's U.S. allocated that is protected, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating. But she has not played that much. Um, which also fascinates me because she obviously wanted to be traded to Washington. That didn't go through because, again, Washington is valuing their younger players like Ashley Hatch um, instead of this big name that is Kelly O'Hara who, yeah, when she's there, she can give you, if healthy, she can give you good solid minutes and good play but it's she's also a risky player so either no. utah is just banking on her returning for 2021 or she has given them their word that she will be returning in 2021 and by returning in 2021 it's like well she's going to the olympics obviously so or maybe they've yeah and maybe though they've got a deal worked out with a spirit and part of that it hinges on after the expansion draft. So Utah had to protect her. That that could be a possibility. Mm. Um, the only other player I, I was able to look at the whole list who is over mm. 30 that is protected that's U.S. allocated is Tottenham Hotspur legend Alex Morgan. Mm. The one, the who, only. I can't believe we've gotten this deep into the pod without talking about Spurs. What? She made her debut this weekend. Oh. In a glorious 1-1 draw with... Another team. Oh, I watched it and I can't even remember. Reading? Very possibly Reading. I think that's who it is. Reading Football Club. Yeah. How? I mean, let's talk about Tottenham Hotspur. This is what this podcast is all about. All right. Um, I'm always ready to talk Spurs. Spurs are number one. Stop the count. Oh, uh, not anymore. That lasted for about. Uh, you know, whatever. I'll take that it. That lasted to like eight minutes into that Leicester <laughs> um, Wolves game where Jamie Vardy got a penalty and something. <sighs> At the King Power. I've been to that stadium. Really cool little mm. old English football stadium. And yeah. Mm. But it was well, a glorious run. First yes, time yes. Spurs have been top of the league in six years. Mm. Good job. Oh, yeah. Ready. We're going to win okay. it all. This is the year. I believe it. Spurs women actually have a much tougher challenge than the men's side do. Mm. Uh, Yeah. 
WSL mm. is just locked down at the top. That's yeah. Isn't it usually Man U and Arsenal that are like the competing teams? No, it's like Arsenal is like the best, but um, Man City. City. Yes, yeah, City's good. Um, and uh, Man U is like they're talking about breaking into like that top three. Everton. Chelsea, Chelsea is the other one. Chelsea is also quite good. Mm. So uh, yeah, okay. Back to the Utah Royals FC show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I think the eleven that were protected, they I think they all make sense. There's all good reason. I'm still surprised Press wasn't, but I could also mm-hmm. see it from the other side. Um, yeah. I think with like Vero probably not returning it makes sense to not protect her mm-hmm. you know i i think gunny is been fantastic for the club um i doubt she would get picked up mm-hmm. and if she doesn't want to go to louisville she might just stay in iceland it seems like she's really enjoying her time there yeah yeah being home yeah um what about the canadians any thoughts about those two no, I'm I am still wildly surprised Matheson is still um scoring goals. <laughs> I guess. But one goal in the summer. One goal. But well yeah. I, I said this last year, but I for real this time I mean it. I will be very surprised if Canada protects her for twenty twenty one. That's all. Well it's an Olympic year, so they might. Mm, I don't know. They got a lot of youngins that are up and coming. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, any more thoughts on the um, the the protected 11 before we look back at the season? No. I think that's it. All right. Um, so we wanted to recap kind of the season, kind of our, look at our top 10 big moments. Um and quite honestly, it's not a super positive list. There's some really great mm. things in here, but um, I think no matter how you look at it, 2020 has been really hard <laughs> on on the Royals and the RSL organization in general. I mean, we're talking about this beforehand, but RSL finished second to bottom in the West of uh, of Major League Soccer. Um did not make the playoffs. Uh, Real Monarchs finished bottom of the group. And USL did not make the playoffs. And I know there weren't uh, playoffs in the fall series, but the Royals finished, you know, dead last. Um, the unfilled performances have been have been poor across the board, but I think more than that, the off-field stuff is probably influencing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the unfilled. So. Um, yeah, so these are our top 10 moments. We're just going to sh- switch off and we'll kind of discuss each one briefly. But I think the number one for me, is, or number 10 for me, is um, Laura Harvey, you know, founding head coach, leaves and is replaced by uh, Craig Harrington. Um, ultimately, a move that, um, you know, I don't think they were ever going to ever gonna stop Laura from leaving. I think she wanted to be a part of international soccer. Um mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was very much a player's coach. Um, and I think Craig Harrington was an exciting 
pers- uh, prospect. He, he kind of represented um, wanting to play a different style, wanting to be more aggressive. Um, ultimately, yeah, did not work out for, for reasons. Hmm. Yeah. At number nine, we have Kristen Press not returning to Utah. And this was before the Challenge Cup, just with so much concerns going on, rightly so, um, she decided not to return and and come back and sit out the Challenge Cup because of the severity of the pandemic. And yeah, she released a statement at the same time, just giving up, giving her reasons for not returning, obviously COVID related, not feeling comfortable, not feeling safe. Every NWSL player uh, had that opportunity to opt out of the tournament should they not feel comfortable, and Press was one of them. And then, of course, she ended up signing up with Manchester United, and that is where she is, I believe, doing pretty good (laughs) at Man U. So, yeah. Cool. At number eight, um... Amy Rodriguez is made captain of the team. Um, that was something that happened pretty early on in Craig's time. That was announced actually pre-COVID shutdowns. Um, I think I spoke to her after the second day of training. Um, and it was it was really, I, I thought it was one of the best things that, that Craig did. Um, mm-hmm. Just make that strong statement from day one that, um, that Amy is going to be the leader. Um, it's clear that a lot of players look to her as a leader. She's a veteran. She's she's done it at the highest level in the international game, um, in the in the NWSL. She's just yeah. Um, it is funny that when we ask the if you got in a bar fight, which teammate would you want to have your back? A lot mm-hmm. of times people mention Amy in part because she's a mom and she's like tough and like mm. I feel like she just commands this like. <laughs> disrespect from the players um mm-hmm. so i thought that was uh was a really good move yeah yeah good old a-rod um and then at number seven we have that very first game of the challenge cup that wild draw with you with houston dash um i believe it ended up being three three yep um super exciting because king scored Matheson scored, and then Vero scored. So mm-hmm. it was just exciting, one, to see Utah score more than one goal. Um, two, it was a comeback type of game. And then we got to see just how the Harrington system would work, three in the back, um, sluggish, slow start, but then – Ended up picking up – oh, no, it started good and then kind of just towards the middle it kind of fizzled and then towards the end it just got exciting, especially to see a rookie like Ciara King score. So it was it was a, it was a really fun game for for Utah. Yeah, um, that was definitely mm-hmm. a fun moment, a moment that seemed like there could be a bright future ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so at number six, uh, I think hosting the Challenge Cup was one of the biggest moments. Um, Zola mm-hmm. Hansen spent a lot of money, I think, in order to host the the tournament. Um, I know personally, like, 
it was so uh it was really exciting to be able to go to every game and take photos and be in the stupid hot sun um with a mask on <laughs> but yeah um i think it, it it to me felt like a really cool moment of Dolly hansen had kind of set out this vision of how he wanted um that facility in harriman to be used for tournaments for international competitions for these big events mm-hmm. and to see something like this happen in utah and as someone who's there firsthand i felt like it was done super safely with COVID concerns um, and it was, it was incredible to have, you know, the first professional sports in the U S be back to be back here in, in, in our own Valley. Um, I thought it was really special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which at the time we were like, what, what are they thinking? And then it ended up being super cool and exciting. Um, at number five, we have Amy LaPelvit serving as the interim head coach. As a result of Craig Harrington being put on administrative leave on September 20th, uh, her first game, I believe, came within 48 hours of everything that happened with Craig and not a very great showing in Utah. Um, But then next three games of the fall series, um, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more of her coaching style. No major wins. Oh wait, no, they no, did they? No, they did no, not win. They had they had a couple of setting ties, right? But let's see, they they yeah three zero lost to Portland, two two draw with rain, two one one draw with the timber or timbers, the thorns, uh, and a two zero lost to the rain. Okay, so not like you know, great if you're to put it on your resume, but what you had, what, what, considering what the players she had and just the turmoil of everything all, um, it, it was like, it was exciting to see a, a, a coach who's been with the club and also in the Utah system, um, to kind of get an opportunity to be a head coach. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so number four, um, I would put the 2-2 uh, draw with the rain at Rio Tinto. I think it was really special because it was at Rio Tinto with fans. Um, it was honestly just a really dramatic first half. Um, you had four goals, probably the most exciting NWSL game I've seen mm. at Rio Tinto. Maybe outside the Challenge Cup final, that was pretty fun. Um, but you know, a lot of those players had not played, uh, at Rio Tinto ever, which is kind of, Mm. was kind of crazy. Um, but really good goals from Diallo and King. Um, and it was just, yeah, kind of a Mm. fun atmosphere. Um, it felt like, you know, for a little bit, it felt like they could win it, but it also felt like we saw some really good things from a team that had Mm -hmm. struggled. So that was exciting. Hmm. And then at number three, COVID-19 just derailing 2020, all of our lives, social distancing, wear your mask. Um, Yeah, it's so wild because there was so much excitement for the new season. 
Um, and then this virus just came out of nowhere and changed life for the entire world, not just in the U.S. I, I, I mean, I don't even think it changed things here in the U.S. because it never got under control. And if anything, it's now at a point where what happens next? But yeah, COVID-19 changed everything for sports, um, how we live life, how we watch sports, how players train, just so wild. And we're still in that situation where it's still wild, it's still going. And yeah, COVID. (sighs) Yeah, I put that one at number three. If I'm, that probably could have been number one, just mm. because it did change everything so much. Um, but it's also probably down at number three because it did change everything, but it also changed everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, number two, um, yeah, Craig Harrington being put on administrative leave and then contract being terminated. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is really the only public thing we've seen about it, but Meg Linehan tweeting sources have said that Harrington made multiple inappropriate comments of a sexual nature to staff. Based on my conversation so far, this has not been too at about players. Um, just really disappointing. Um, disappointing that, you know, I still, I still don't know if, Craig is a good coach um, tactically on the field, but you you can't be in that kind of position if that's, if those are the things you're mm-hmm. saying at work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, definitely really dramatic, uh, big change in the middle of, of between challenge cup and the fall series. And honestly, probably stuff that would have gotten swept under the rug had uh you know had there not been a regime change at the top Mm. yeah and then at number one deloy hansen being forced to sell the rsl organization as i believe utah soccer holdings is the official utah soccer holdings llc LLC. Limited Limited. Liability Corporation. (laughs) Which I feel like that's something for like a smaller company, not like an empire that Hanson built. I think it was named that prior to Real Salt Lake being named. (sighs) And I think it would just stay that way. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's. I mean, from an RSL perspective, I know there's frustration because Deloitte Hansen did not invest in his team as well as he should from a roster perspective. Um, and and then in the women's side, you have, you know, Deloitte Hansen coming to the rescue of a team that completely fell apart in Kansas City to... Um, to, to doing great things for the for the women's league and and treating the players as professional and giving them really 
an environment with a great training environment and, and letting them play in the stadium. I mean, Royals could have easily been put out at Zion's Bank Stadium to play their seasons, but instead, Rio Tinto became their home. And I think even Vera Boquete, when we spoke to her, she's like, regardless of everything that happened with Deloy Hansen, he did something for the women's team that probably no other owner could at the time. So he has this mixed legacy as an owner because from one perspective, yes, he's not the greatest human being, but he also did something that you can look back and be like, oh, that was good. So this really, really mixed legacy reaction but Lucas you've been more you've followed RSL for a very long time what is your perspective (laughs) I mean it is you're right it is a mixed legacy it's really interesting that it seems like RSL players have a much lower opinion of Hansen than Mm -hmm. Royals players do even though a lot of Hansen's issues was sexism Mm. simply because he treated them like professionals. And it's like, unfortunately, that's not always the case in the women's game. Um, Mm -hmm. And he built them a, you know, I've been in that locker room. It's incredible. Um, Mm. uh, He, you know, um, he gave them a really nice facility there. They have their own grass practice field. Um, an America first field um, there, I think, and probably preferably basically mm-hmm. based out of the stadium rather than Harriman, which is, um, you know, I know the Webb family will give me crap for this, but it feels really <laughs> far away from the city to me. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, they just, they had nice facilities. Like you said, they play mm-hmm. at our, at Rio Tinto stadium and those, those games are advertised. Um, they're not on TV, which is really unfortunate, but mm. um, I think the standard for the Royals was higher than the average standard standard in the NWSL, and that is a positive. That's a good thing, even if it came about from a person who has done some really some really bad racist things, mm-hmm. mistreated mm-hmm. boys, said terrible things, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and it's big. I mean, anytime you have an owner being forced to sell, you know, something that you spent building, that's that's a shame. That's unfortunate. And it will at it will affect I mean, it already has affected the team already because as great as he did for the women's team, still have he allowed toxic culture. He created it, probably. Yeah, I think uh, that's more accurate. Yeah. yeah, he created a very toxic environment, and now we're here. And so, yeah, yeah. So, um, overall, Cindy, was this a good season? Um, no, <laughs> I think if you look at the excitement of 2018, the inaugural season and getting Kristen Press and having Laura Harvey and having these players who wanted to come play for Utah, 
And then you are here two years later where players don't want to play here, where, you know, uh, you know, O'Hara opted out of the fall series, um, probably, and not only probably, but because of the culture that came part of Harrington. Um, I believe the Trib said that Craig was just not his, you know, his training sessions were not good or he was just. Yeah. I mean, I have heard that the training sessions were awful, that mm-hmm. players were angry, were, would kind of try to do their own thing, that it was just disorganized. Um, mm-hmm. And that's only part of the issues that were happening. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think at the time with Kelly not coming um, for the fall series, I think a lot of us thought, oh, she's trying to force the move to Washington. Mm-hmm. And really that might have been she doesn't want to be mm-hmm. in this culture. Um, yeah. She also is not a player who she's probably not super hungry. She's won it all. And like, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Mm-hmm. Um but she's not someone who's out there trying to prove their worth, prove what they can do because, mm-hmm. you know, she's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, not not a good season in comparison to 2018-2019. Yeah, Utah did not make the playoffs both those first two years, but there was a little bit more of excitement for 2020, and this was before Laura Harvey left. But then with a new head coach and just, you know, seeing his excitement and the direction that the club wanted to take, you were expecting a little bit better. Yes, COVID derailed a lot of those plans and how the season would look. But no, I, I don't think it was a good season by any means. And it's unfortunate that it's marred by all these negatives in even those top tens so yeah yeah that top 10 list isn't super positive <laughs> uh, but they no, are it's biggest not. moments i think yeah um well let's I mean, look ahead to 2021 if you're okay mm, with that. yeah let's do um it. i think we have to ask the question like what does utah need to do in 2021 for that season to be a success and honestly it feels like the Royals are sliding closer and closer to the Orlando model. Hmm. Um, shout out to Roscoe, but that's not <laughs> what, what fans here want. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we have to ask a question, what needs to be done? For me, I think the first thing that has to be done to get traction on any level is a new owner. Um mm-hmm. That's going to be huge. Um, Ryan Smith is a is a local tech billionaire. He's a young dude, like he's not mm. he's in his forties. Um, had a had a company that sold the SAP for like I think eight billion dollars or something. Um, and he was seen as the forerunner to buy um, Real Salt Lake organization, uh, the aforementioned Utah Soccer Holdings LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went and bought the Utah jazz, which was not for sale. Uh, Mm. so he, it's just, it's super unclear if he's out or not. Um, it, it it could be a move where he wants to have like, um, 
you know, a sports monopoly in Utah and mm-hmm. that might be great because he's a dude who loves sports. He's also a guy who loves the Utah Jazz NBA team. He grew up playing junior jazz. Um, mm. He's a huge fan. And uh, to me, it doesn't make it seems super likely that he's going to buy RSL now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of wait and sees. Um, but we do know that um, Hanson has to, I think, January 6th to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does not at that point, Major League Soccer will come in and manage that sell. Um, sale and that that's absolutely not something that a guy like Hansen would want um, mm-hmm. even though that is in the MLS constitution it's unclear what that would mean for the Royals or the Monarchs but probably they would do the, him the courtesy of selling it as one organization as bundled deal because that's how he's trying to sell it now mm-hmm. yeah yeah and head coach as well um it will depend on who is the new head coach for utah but leadership at head coach is a big deal so that needs i mean ownership yes and then next will be the head coach um i think lapelbit should continue in that role lucas feels differently and that's fine we can't agree with everybody I don't necessarily feel <laughs> differently, but again, it comes back to the owner. But but Deloy said that he wanted he wanted the Royals to be the Bayern Munich of women's soccer. Mm-hmm. The, I think he's meaning the the men's side. Um, yeah, probably should have said Leon, but um, mm-hmm. like Bayern Munich get huge coaches. They had Pep Guardiola, like they 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 get sort of the best coaches in the world. Mm. I I think Amy LaPelba has a really bright future ahead of her, but she has not arrived yet. She's not the best coach in the world right now. No. And I think they should go after whoever the best coach in the world is. Yeah. And, I mean, it's easy for me to say, hey, go spend money that isn't mine, but – why not go after a, a really big name in the in the women's game, make them a big money offer because that's not capped by the league. Mm. Um, and then like we saw with Pharaoh is you might draw in some some real players just off that off the name of the coach. Yeah. Joe Ellis it is. You would love that. <laughs> I think Phil Neville should be. Uh... Ooh. Just kidding. Ooh. Phil Neville uh, should not, should not yeah. be employed in the future. No, no, not at, at <laughs> least in the women's game. Um, Pochettino could. Considering as, as we learned, he got yeah. in the women's game. So yeah, you never know. And I think Poch here. Yeah, you would <laughs> help them inside a little bit. <laughs> It's true, you know. Just coach both sides. Why not? Oh my gosh! I oh, I would just die. I would literally yeah. die if that happened. Oh. Mm. Or you know, Megan Rapinoe. <laughs> um, Lapelbet has more 
coaching experience and repeat. That's true. I think right now where the way things are, I think Utah needs to have like a small, not like mentality, not, I was going to say small market mentality, but not it, like more of a humble type beginning. I don't know. Because if you have right now, who you got is who you're going to get unless it will depend on ownership. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think what's, I think what's next is there's still a lot of furloughed staff, a lot of staff that have not been returned. I understand you're going into the off season. They're not games. They're not, there are no fans. I'm sure merch sales are not up, but Mm. I think staff needs to be brought back. I think it's, yeah, they have, I think the people there are just working, uh, working their butts off and it's very like, uh, commendable, but for an organization to be successful, you cannot have people working themselves to death. Yeah. 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 So wait and see. We're so good at that. Wait and see. Um, But then also you have to bring in players as well. I mean, I think, yeah, it, it was good to have Diallo come and, she was an exciting young player, but then, you know, and towards the spring, we were hearing Maro and Buhari, who are big in Europe, and had COVID not happened, these players would be here, and the season could be entirely, totally different. Um, It just so happens that's not what happened. So, you, you know, ownership, coach new players, good players, whether you have to trade for them, um, whether you go overseas. Yeah, Utah needs to build that midfield. That midfield is a mess, especially with Vera Boquete gone. Um, and you need that creative midfielder. And and also another solid forward because Amy can't do it all. King is still extremely young. And so you need you need to build your attack, which has always been a struggle for Utah. So Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um well any other any other things that we want to look forward to in twenty twenty one? Oh man. That's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird. Um hopefully more games. Hopefully soccer life goes back to normal. If it still means, uh, you know, minimal attendance, that's okay. Maybe some form of normalcy with a new, se- uh, expanded, a normal season. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I think I would be happy with that. I'm curious if they do any kind of challenge cup in the future. Um, even mm. as to have something that's, you know, almost mirrors the U.S. Open Cup on the women's side. Hmm. Um, who knows? But mm. I think, yeah, I think new owner is going to be paramount and everything else is going to be built off that. Um, mm. Well, we have two listener questions I think we'll end on. Um, 
First one comes from Aaron Stockton. Um, favorite memory was King's first goal. Question for next year. Who's left after the expansion draft? So he did ask this before the, the expansion draft was uh, announced. So we mm. did cover that. But yeah, King's King's first goal was such an exciting moment because she had subbed mm-hmm. on. Um, Utah were down. It looked like, I mean, they were, they were down like what? Were they down three zero at one point, or was it? No, I think they were down two one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't looking great. It was getting late in the game, and then, yeah, then Vero mm-hmm. and had a goal. King had a goal, and you know, saved saved that game for the. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, and then Melly asks. In the end, do you know what the chances are that the team will be sold in general or what's going on with the situation? So that this that's this is an interesting question because we're still trying to figure this one out. Um, if it is indeed that Ryan Smith guy, um, how much of an interest he has in keeping the Utah team, the women's side, I don't know, but Lucas, what do you know on that end? I mean, really nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I have no idea. Um, I don't I don't want to speculate in his image interest mm. in women's soccer or you know an unknown right. uh, potential other other buyer. I mean, there's other groups, the Miller family, who had been the owners of the Jazz. Mm. Um, Josie Altidore expressed interest. So did JJ Watt. JJ Watt, if he was a part of a group, would be awesome because mm-hmm. his wife, uh, very much valued women's soccer, is from mm-hmm. here. Um, so that could be real cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think to say anything at this point would be mm-hmm. pretty un- unfounded speculation. For sure. I'll hope for and, the best. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think they would be taken out of um, Salt Lake City. And it could be a situation where it could be a group like Angel FCD, Angel City FC that wants to invest in the group and works with the RSL side and continues using, um, or it could be a smaller owner. I mean, the Chicago... Red Star's owner is a small independent owner and he's done incredible things for the Chicago Red Star's team. So it doesn't have to be someone big. It doesn't have to be a big name. It it's it just takes how much of a heart they have to invest in this team and, and work for it. And yeah, Delo Hansen had. He had a lot of resources. Um and we don't know where this Ryan Smith guy is, if he is the potential buyer, but I, I don't I have really have a hard time seeing them being taken out of Utah unless it becomes to that and then the NWSL decides to relocate them to a bigger city. I don't know. Let's give Philadelphia a team. They save the nation, you know? Why not save the NWSL? <laughs> um but yeah. Who knows? Everything we say is speculation, but we wait and see. Yep. Well, that um, is, I think, 
the end of the show tonight. We're not totally sure when we will podcast next. Um, probably not going to keep it weekly in the off season. We don't really want to record just for the sake of recording. Um, but if major news comes out, we'll certainly um, have something or, or, or recap in a couple of weeks about what has been going on. So yeah, look for that on the socials or on your um, podcast feed. But yeah, Cindy, thanks for chatting and thanks everyone for listening.